All right, we are back to podcast, and um, I'm recording right after church. I always pre-record typically, unless I do just a live cast on occasion. Like I do it throughout the week sometimes um, if I have time, and uh, really busy time. So doing it right after church. I'm keyed up, still in preaching gear, and so we're going to Ephesians two. Ephesians chapter number 2 in the Word of God. Ephesians 2. I so enjoyed this. And um, we're going to pick up in verse 11. And um, here's the thing with this Ephesians study. is first of all, it coincides with our study on Sunday mornings. Our study on Sunday mornings have been walking with God. And what it means to walk with God, walking in fellowship with Him, Him living on the inside of us—the whole, the whole story, the whole uh, bit of of our salvation, every bit of it. Well, the truth is, the Sunday morning study was born out of this Ephesians study. Um, the whole way it all come about is I was studying Ephesians on my own. And uh, just just in my own personal studies, wasn't planning on teaching it or, or anything like that. I was just just my own study. So I I went from that to really being inspired myself to to teach it. Well, I started teaching it to you all, and then the Lord just really laid it on my heart to branch from that on Sunday mornings. And the reason is. Is because Ephesians is a book that we spend about three chapters talking about our walk with God, talking about what we have in salvation, talking about um, what we what we have in Jesus, and and Paul just really building up what we are spiritually. Okay, but then he transitions in the second half of the book, four, five, and six to the practical aspect of that, putting legs on it, if you please. And and in, in so doing that, it, it being filled with the Spirit in the early portions of the text, allow us to walk like we're commanded to walk in in the latter portions of this, this book of the Bible. So it, it flows correctly. All right. Um, Let's go to Ephesians 2 and verse number 11. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is the circumcision in the flesh not made by hands. Now, when we see the term Gentiles in the flesh, it's a general term and it's for all the people who were not born Jews. If you're not born a Hebrew Jew, then you are a Gentile. And the Jews looked down on Gentiles, we know that, and they didn't have anything to do with them. And Paul goes on to explain here that the gospel united both people. It united the Jews and the Gentiles to become a new group, which would be called the church. And he begins to compare it to the great temple at Jerusalem. So everyone saved, Jew or Gentile, 
<clears throat> come together to make up the, the church, the spiritual church. So, in times past, we walked according to Gentiles in the flesh, like a Gentile would walk. Now, a Gentile was someone that was separated from God. The Jews, of course, had to mark it on God, so to please. Um, in, in the, you know, before Christ died on Calvary. And then, and then really, even after that, some, until Paul turned to the Gentiles. Now, there were Gentiles that were saved, but as a, as a group, for the most part, it was all Jews. So, uh, in the flesh by, made by hands, verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ. So, at that particular time, you were without Jesus Christ when you were Gentiles in the flesh. All right? Now, he's talking about our flesh before we're saved. Um, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. So, an alien is a term that's not used much anymore in our society. But uh, now I think it's illegal immigrants or whatever they, they say. Uh, I still say I still say aliens. Um, but an alien is, is someone that is not native to uh, a particular place. They're you know a, a native or an alien is someone that's not born to the born to that place, not from that place and they, they come, in, in essence, as a squatter. They come to live there even though they're not from there. So, that, that's what an alien is. Well, that just happens to be <clears throat> what we are before we get saved. We are an alien to God. We're an alien to a, a walk with God. We're an alien... Um, to a fellowship with God, we we have none of that, and we can have none of that because we're not from heaven. We are not born with a relationship with God. So these are all these are all extremely important truths to understand. Now, watch what it says: being in time past. You were, or that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise. So you were a stranger to the promised covenant, having no hope. I've got a message I preach called "From No Hope to the Blessed Hope." So having no hope and without God in the world. So we had no hope, and in this world we without God. So that shows you that a life without God is a life with no hope. That's what we are and what we were before we get saved. Okay? Let's keep going on. The Bible says here, verse number 12, and strangers from the covenant's promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now, what a conjunction, but now. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, or made nigh by the blood of Christ. So, but now, you were that way. You were like that. But you got saved. And when you got saved, you who were afar off, you who weren't from the land of heaven, you who were not from the land of Christ, you that had no fellowship, now, guess what you are? Now, the Bible says, you are made nigh. 
to be made nigh means to be made near, to be made close to, made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. We, we've got to understand that. That's, that's very strong. When we speak of peace, most of the time it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a describing a feeling, a place of tranquil, a place that we're not worried or concerned. Either way, we have peace. That's not how it's used here. The way it's used here is we were enemies of God. We were apart from God. We were separate from God. Okay? Without God, no hope, lost in the world, no God. And then look at what it says. Verse 13 but now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes far off are made now by the blood of Christ. Verse 14. For he, speaking of Christ, is our peace. So it's not that just we that we have the peace of God. It's that we have peace with God now. Okay? We were at odds. We were at war. We were on separate sides. But now we have peace with him. And it's through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So he's, he's broken down what stood in between us. That's so, that's so good. That's so good. Middle wall of partition broken down. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Okay, that's enemy with. Having done away with it. Abolished in his flesh the enmity. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace so we become a new man new woman or new man in Christ Jesus and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby and he came and he preached peace to, to you which were far off and to them that were nigh so he comes and he preaches peace. He preaches the fact that we were enemies of God, but this is how we are reconciled with God. For through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So there's one spirit, and we have access to the Father by that one spirit through Jesus Christ. Now, I like verse 13, verse or verse 19. It gets really good. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We're not strangers anymore. We're not uh, foreigners, but now fellow citizens with the saints. Do you see that? I think about that. Let's talk about that a minute. I've had some, I have some good relationships in my life with you all. I mean, just think, the, the friendships, the people that, that we have met, that I've met, that you've met in your life that are near and dear to your heart, that are close to you. And the reason that they are close to you is because or you met them through your relationship to Jesus Christ. I, I think of the, I, I, uh, <clears throat> I know Miss Betty and Miss Evelyn, they listen. I think of their relationship, their friendship. They're you know they're they're good friends, good friends, and and that 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 comes about through a a, a relationship with Christ, and that brings about a relationship on earth. 
Okay, I've I've got friends in Christ. People have been so good to me. I, you know, and, and all of you are, all of you are, and and just people that have been a blessing to me have met a need. Have uh, you know? I talked about Wayne over the summer helping so much and being there. You you know how that was a part of. Um, it it was it was through. It was through our relationship. Now, we have a friendship, but it started through our relationship with Jesus Christ. That, that's, that's beautiful. And that's what the Bible's saying here. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So now we are fellow citizens with anybody that's saved. And it doesn't matter the race. Doesn't matter the race. I, I think of, of uh, Brother Tyrone Washington. Okay, I, he's as close. I, I I love that brother as much as as much as I love any preacher. Much much as I love any brother. Done roofs for him. I will will encourage each other. He encourages me on my on my preaching. I encourage him to stay in the fight and stay in the walk with God. And I love him with all my heart. Okay. And we might have known each other from school, but our real relationship really is come about through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Did you see the beauty of that? Have you ever worked with someone that maybe maybe you, you never would have been friends with them at school or on a different level, but then then you and not because of any reason except you just you just weren't around each other. But then you start working around each other. You both happen to be saved and you had a relationship in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's talking about here. He says, we are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. With the saints. We were, and by the way, there's no Christian that's got a better place in heaven than you do. We're all fellow citizens. And of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So what the apostles and prophets started the foundation of, we still have today. That's something even more beautiful. I always hold in high esteem and talk a lot about Paul and talk about John. I preached about John this morning. And you all know my love and affinity for Paul and John, especially those two. I always talk about them. And... We have as much place in heaven as they do. That's so good. And they built the foundation. It says right here, our, well, Christ was the foundation, but then they started building the foundations of the church and are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So when you're building a structure, you'll have a cornerstone. And that cornerstone is, is where you plumb the rest of the house off of. It's where you plumb the rest of the angles off of, okay? My son's learning to, to be a mason. He's, he's picking it trade up good. And you lay that cornerstone, and then you begin to, to lay your stones from there. It gives you, it's like my guys on the roofs. They lay a starter shingle, and a starter shingle is, is, a, is a shingle that goes right on the felt or the underlayment, right there on the edge, and it, encircles the entire perimeter of the house and as it does they work off of that well Jesus Christ laid 
the cornerstone. He laid the foundation. And from there, we we work and live off of that. From there, we move from there. Okay? So that being the case, that the foundation was laid for us by Jesus Christ as the stone. He laid the example. Okay? From there, the apostles laid the example. All right? And now we build on that. We build on that. Jesus was the cornerstone. It all works off of him, then the apostles, and now us. So what we do today, the Bible we teach, the Bible we preach, the life we live, it was all established by people way before us. And now we can live that as well. Now, I want you to go further with me if you would. Continue. The Bible says, and we're built upon the foundations of the apostles, prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth until an holy temple of the Lord. So we all grow together and we all fit together. You have a place. I have a place. Every member of our church has a place. Every member in the body of Christ has a place. In whom also you are built together in habitation of God through the Spirit. So what the church does is we build and we work together. We come off the foundation that Jesus laid, Jesus or the cornerstone that Jesus laid. He lays the cornerstone, and then the apostles begin to lay the foundation, and now we continue the building. And that makes up the church. Do you see all these beautiful analogies in the scriptures about what we are and what we have in Christ? We are a body. We're a bride. We're a building or a church. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, chapter 3, verse 1. Let's start in it. we got a few minutes. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God... So a dispensation is a is it's it, the root word there is a dispense or a dispensary of time, and it, he's saying that there is a dispensation of the grace of God. You've heard me refer to dispensations, and dispensations are uh, different time periods and and how Jesus worked and operated at, at at different time periods and in different ways. Okay, and so that's that's the reference here. That's what he's referring to here. So, the dispensation of the grace of God. Now, let's go further. The grace of God which is given me to you, Lord, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote in in a few words. What was it? What was that mystery? That mystery was the church. Okay, he's getting ready to identify that. Paul speaks of this mystery, and it was a mystery because... The Jew didn't see it. You know, the apostles really couldn't, or the disciples really didn't get it either. But he began to really show it to Paul that Gentiles would come and be be making up parts and, and a big part of the church. So he says, How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made unto the sons of men, as it now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. I'm going to go to verse 12. 
and the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me who am less than the least of all the saints. Paul says that I'm the least of all the saints. Okay. I'll tell you what I think I'll do. Let's, let's, well, I'll go to verse 12. And then the next time, the next study on Wednesday night, I'll, I'll break down these mysteries that are in the Bible. There's, there's 12 of them that the Bible it talks about. And I, I will go through them. But, uh, unto verse 8. Unto whom, unto me, whom the least of all saints, saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I love that riches that are so profound and deep that you you can't even search for them. Paul, Paul, and I, that's how I feel. I relate with Paul. That this, these truths that I preach to you, these things that I tell you on Sunday mornings, these podcasts that I make, this this. To me, it's almost, it astounds me that I'm even, and I'm not worthy, but to even have the privilege to preach these truths and to make all men see that it's the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So what Paul is saying here, in, in at least through verse 12, all right, and we'll, we'll start in verse 13 next time, is that the church was a mystery really right up until his day. You know, they had a church, they had assemblies, but... It was it was local body of believers, but it was primary still primarily Jews. It was still in Antioch, still in Jerusalem, and still, you know, locally. Well, Paul come about with a different vision, and that is that the entire world Gentiles would become and make up the church, and populate the church with Gentiles. Paul had a vision for. You know the sons of of not just Shem, but the sons of Ham and Japheth. You know, uh, not not just the Shemites, but but all mankind and and all the Shemites that weren't Jews. There were some Shemites that weren't Jews, and that that's something that Peter couldn't see. Paul and Peter had a falling out about that, as a matter of fact, and uh, not really a falling out. Paul just withstood him to his face and told him he was wrong, and so Paul is speaking about the mystery that. People that were not Jews would be populating the church, and at this time that wasn't possible. It was all it was basically all Jews. There were some Gentiles saved, you know, the Ethiopian eunuch and different ones that you read about. But when Paul comes, Paul, ladies and gentlemen, opens up the door wide open to to populate the church with Gentile believers, and he's saying this was a mystery before now, but I'm showing you that God is is populating his church with even primarily Gentiles because Jews still reject it. But there are Jews that are saved and in the body of Christ. But Paul is teaching about a new dispensation and that's the dispensation that we live in now. It's the dispensation of the grace of God. And I say it over and over again. Dispensation is a Bible word. 
And I'm, I'm going to teach. I'm either on podcast or on Wednesday night about the dispensations at some point. And because if you don't understand the dispensations, you 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 will struggle mightily through the scriptures in in grasping them. And you know you'll put the Gentiles where the Jews are, and make yourself Jews, and all kinds of foolishness like that. And he is making a clear cut difference here. And saying that there was a dispensation to the Jews, but now we're in a dispensation of the grace of God. And because we're a dispensation of the grace of God, we all make up the church. And so that's the mystery that Paul is speaking of that the Jew didn't get and the Gentiles didn't get. And now we've got red, yellow, black, and white, all precious in his sight, making up the body, the bride, and the church of Christ. And that's what Paul's saying. So we were afar off. We were aliens. We were not of the circumcision. We had no hope in the world. We were without God. And God, who is rich in His mercy, saved us and put us in His church, put us in His body, and make up His bride. What a Savior we have. All right, next time, we're going to look at the 12 mysteries of the Bible from verse number 3 of Ephesians 3. Then we'll jump into verse 13. And from verse 13, we're going to come down through the chapter. We may get into chapter 4, but I doubt it. We'll probably finish chapter 3 the next time and then uh, go into chapter 4 the following week. I hope you've enjoyed Ephesians chapter 2, part 2 of the of the Bethany Baptist Church uh, Bible podcast. Good night, God bless, and I love each of you.